Once more, it is What's Involved. So good to have you along with us. Uh, special guest today, we're going to be chatting, uh, and we're going to be chatting about a rather interesting website that uh, I came across and finding out what it is, why it is, how it is, who is my guest. He is Brett Dawson. Hello, Brett. Welcome. Hello, David. It's such a pleasure to be with you this afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. Great to talk to you. I've been looking forward to this one, but I like with all of my guests to get a bit of a background, a bit of a history about them. So, so tell me a little bit about yourself, your history, born, bred, where, raised, what did you do, studies, all of those things. Let's dive in a little bit there. Yes, David, I was born here in Johannesburg, um, out in the southern suburbs, and um, uh, just went to, you know, normal government school there and uh, left that, had to do, at that stage, two years military. During that period, I realized, it was, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, what I wanted to study at that time. And uh, my dad was quite keen on me becoming a geologist because mining was, I think, a big and massive industry at that time, still is, but it was really a powerful one. And I knew I didn't want to do that, but wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And during the, um, that, uh, the, the stint in the uh, conscription, I uh, met some chartered accountants and realized that, uh, that this would be a fantastic thing to, as, as, just as a, to set a base. Uh, a foundation layer, if you like, of, uh, of of enabling me to learn a lot of stuff, and hopefully, once that was done, uh, enabling me to open doors and to progress through some form of career. So I did the CA um, uh, after that, and I did the CA for a couple of years, and it requires I mean four years, and then went into articles at KPMG, uh, which is actually called Alex Aiken and Gott in those days, but became KPMG and did uh, two years mainstream articles uh, where I learned a lot of stuff. I mean, I think it was fantastic. I meet, uh, chat to so many youngsters today who so, say, oh, you know, what a pain, have to do articles. And I said, I think that's it's just a wrong approach. You, you never again going to be able to be exposed to so many different businesses, so many different business models, different industries, some that are successful, some that aren't. And if you go in there with the right attitude, you can learn so much, so much. You know, so I, I spent two years just doing um, sort of just, um, mainstream auditing, and then they decided to open up a corporate finance division. So we're going back a long way. Yeah? Corporate finance is kind of a standard thing these days, but um, they were opening a corporate finance division. So I put up my hand in there, and I thought, yeah, well, that would be so cool to get involved in through the, the, the client base of uh, these big auditing firms. I mean, what a fantastic base of clients. I'd be able to go and hopefully, you know, work on putting corporate finance deals together where, where companies would buy each other and sell and do pretty important strategic stuff. So we went into corporate finance for two years there. And then I was approached by one of my clients, it was Angli, actually Anglo Vol at those stage, a big mining house and industrial uh, conglomerate in South Africa, and approached me to join and head up their corporate finance and strategic planning. Um, so I, I thought it would be quite a cool step to go in a very, quite a senior position in Anglo Vol and be able to look at both industrial stuff and mining. And I really thoroughly enjoyed the uh, period there. I must have done one or two good things because I was then asked to go and become the CFO of national brands. And it was all about fast moving consumer goods. I learned all about biscuits and tea and coffee and cosmetics and what a fantastic learning experience there. And, um, and during that period, I, I saw the 
sanctions against South Africa. This was pre, uh, sort of pre-94, pre-election. I saw the, that I thought sanctions would come down. And I thought, what a fantastic opportunity for me to try and step back from, as, as CFO, step down, but rather go and try and help them build the export business from South Africa. Most of our products, 98% of our business was in South Africa. Fantastic brands like Baker's Biscuits and Pyatt's and Romany Creams and Five Roses, all these household brands, but they were all locked, um, you know, in South Africa because of, of the sanctions era. So as I saw that coming down, I thought, what a fantastic opportunity. Let me go and try and work on expanding the, uh, the, the business outside of South Africa for national brands. So really became a glorified, you know, put together a team um, and we went and tried to sell biscuits and tea and coffee all over Africa and then into mainly to Southeast Asia. And um, really that was going very nicely. I spent a couple of years doing that, expanding that business. And while I was doing that, got a call unsolicited from uh, Dimension Data and uh, asking me to, one of their directors, asking me to come in for a meeting. And at that stage, I'd kind of I'd obviously heard of Dimension Data. They were just becoming, a, you know, quite a, a darling of the stock exchange. It was in their real boom period. And they were looking for somebody with a very strong commercial background, but somebody who was, uh, they thought, would hopefully be quite entrepreneurial to take Dimension Data into their first pure services play and build the services business called the Virtual Private Network, which today is a household name. But in those days, we had to go and create a whole new industry. Um, and so I thought that would be fantastic. And so I leapt across and went in with a very small team to start this business, it's all about networking. It was in the early days of helping customers just frankly go online and enable their, your uh, automatic telemachines to talk to each other and to head office and really network up businesses. And that uh, was a startup. We went well and we merged that over time with another business, uh, which is also a household name now. Uh, in South African corporate called Internet Solutions. And I went across, we merged the business and I became joint CEO of Internet Solutions. And that was really just a fantastic time to try and you know, build an industry from scratch, which is today the internet. So today, uh, old hat stuff, but we were involved in the first um, really uh, building first foray into the internet and all that that became over time. So this was in the, you know, in the 1990s and the late 1990s. I did that for a while, running internet solutions uh, together with Derek, and we, you know, we're having a fantastic time growing and learning there. When um, I mentioned data, then asked me to, to go across to the US. They'd made a lot of acquisitions in America, a half a dozen or so, and they needed um, somebody to go across represent. Uh, dimension data and try and bring this thing together. These half a dozen disparate uh, businesses all over the US, in different industries. And um, as I thought that would be a fantastic challenge to go learn how business is done in America and all the experience there, I no sooner uh, accepted the job and bought a house. And the very next week we had uh, the, uh, the infamous 9-11 so I had to scratch my head for a long time and say, wow, this, this could be, um, 
this could be a, a big change, uh, but we decided to, to do it. And we went across to the US, relocated the whole family. And um, because of 9-11, the businesses that we were involved in, in America took a real strain. And so for, for um, the period I was in the US, it was a learning experience of the, you know, the opposite kind. I'd always been in growth businesses and I'd learned to love growing businesses and how exciting and stressful, but exciting that is. And in the US, we were uh, in awful trouble. Uh, we were losing a lot of money. Our business models were under dramatic threat. And so we were losing a lot of money. And so we had to go in and do huge reductions in workforce, cut um, the heck of out of our businesses back to what could hopefully be profitable businesses, terminate leases, close down branches, offices, businesses, get rid of a whole lot of people. And that was the toughest thing I ever have to do in my career was have to, having to let a lot of people go. People who had nothing, done nothing wrong, it's just the business wasn't there. So we had to cut it back dramatically. So must have done, um, uh, you know, must, I mentioned that I must have been happy with what I did there because after a year doing that and turning that business around, they, they then offered me the chief operating officer role back in South Africa and uh, clearly a big step up from, uh, from where I was in, in, in the organization in America. So I accepted the chief operating officer role and then Within a year, they appointed me as CEO of Dimension Data Worldwide, the group, uh, which I then went on and ran, drove the turnaround because the group was in um, dire financial condition when I, when I took that job. And we managed to successfully turn that around and ran Dimension Data through a profitable growth and uh, a massive expansion strategy uh, over those 12 years. We were able to you know, more than triple the business and increase the share price about seven times. And then I thought that was, uh, that was enough. So I ran DD for 12 years and had a fantastic time and loved working with so many fantastic people around the world and that. And then three years ago, I stepped out from Dimension Data and I was thinking about so what, what's next. And uh, clearly, uh, retirement was never going to be an option. Uh, so I wanted to go and do something which was um, made an impact, something that would be fun, but where can you make an impact but not be full-time employed? I didn't want to go back into a big corporate. You know, and I mentioned that I had 30,000 people and 60 countries and all kinds of, um, of, of commitments around that. So I wanted to go into uh, somewhere where I could still make an impact but get materially involved in, 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 in the business, but not having to work full-time. So what, what I decided to do was form my own uh, very small private equity business, and we call that Campan, which is um, the name of a, a leopard. That's uh, our family. We really wanted to show our South African roots in that, and we cho chose an animal that we love dearly as a family and started this private equity business where we invest today in small uh, startup businesses, uh, about half of those, a little bit more than half in South Africa, but quite a few in, in the UK and in um, headquartered in the UK and in Australia. And, uh, uh, but businesses that we think can make uh, are trying to fundamentally transform the industry or, or transform a process or just change a business model. I don't want to just invest in, you know, businesses that just already, you know, good businesses and 
take them a couple of inches forward. No, we're looking for businesses that can transform a process. So we want, really want to be at that entrepreneurial, creative front end of change, you know. So trying to do, if you like, I mean, use the analogy, although my businesses are much smaller, but to do what Airbnb did for the hotel industry or what Uber has done for the you know, taxi industry completely revolutionized stuff. So that's what we're trying to do, obviously, in a much smaller scale. And I'm involved in about, uh, in total, I guess, about 14 of these projects, some of them doing exceptionally well and uh, some of them doing exceptionally uh, poorly and a whole lot somewhere in between because that's the nature of the game. Um, where we play, you'd expect to have one or two out of ten uh, absolute winners. You'd expect three out of ten to fail and then you expect to build you know, five or six reasonable uh, businesses that do okay in the fullness of time. So at the moment, fully engaged in those 12 uh, to 14 kind of projects, um, having a lot of fun investing. It's been a, you know, trying to nurse them through these COVID times. And other than that, I also, sit, I also went into only one other big corporate, and that's uh, and I'm a shareholder and investor in uh, Altron Group, which I went in with the private equity um, group, PCP, also, when they did the, um, the, their investment in Ultron, I went in as their guy to help, you know, help them with the strategy on, on Ultron in South Africa. So I think they have a long-winded answer, but that if you wanted all the, uh, the, the bits and bobs, I think that's, that's pretty much it. Well, it certainly is quite a bit, <laughs> Brent. I, I think you've, you've certainly had a, a varied and, and colorful career. And, and you know, to, to sort of look at your background from the CA perspective and, and where you are now, I think it's, it's certainly been an exciting journey and really given you uh, some great skills there. When we come back, uh, I'd like to talk about one of those businesses that you are currently involved in, uh, something called Brand Hub. So we'll chat about that when we come back. My special guest is Brett Dawson. Uh, he is the founder of a company called Campan. So we'll talk more about that as well. It is What's Involved, back in just a bit. And we're back. What's Involved it is. My special guest is Brett Dawson. So, Brett, along the line, you came across something called Brand Hub. Talk to me about Brand Hub, because when I first heard about you and about Brand Hub and what the guys were doing there, I thought, you know, this is, this is a pretty damn clever idea. So, so talk me through it. I had um, the approach to, it must be a couple of years ago, um, um, as one does in the kind of the, the this kind of space we're playing in, and um, approached by uh, Rob, Rob Anderson, who's the founder, who runs uh, Brand Up in those days. Um, it was more of an idea than a business, I guess. But I really liked the concept. What um, the dream of Brandup is to um, is to be an online uh, an, an, an online offering where the, um, where the where one thinks of online trading, so an electronic commerce type platform, as one would think about, like say, an Amazon, where you buy stuff online ultimately, but with a very different business model. The intent here is that um, we get we encourage our customers to become loyal to the site and we reward them for their contribution to the site. We th we, when we looked at the other online players, you typically as a customer, you I mean you will get some kind of benefits, but 
typically the advertising spend and the marketing is, is paid by an online player, an online store, into somebody like Google Ads or you know, that type of thing, pay money for them to drive traffic to your site. And you think so much money is getting paid by these sites to, to you know, Google, for example, and all these different um, uh, search engines. And what if we were to repurpose that investment instead of paying it to just bring people to the site, actually reward people for coming to your site in the first place and for contributing to the site. So the model is quite different in that if you come to a brand up site and you contribute something, so you do a review of, uh, of whatever you bought, says to say you buy, there's a lot of electronic you know, products on the site. So let's say you buy a, a, I don't know, a watch, a Garmin watch, and then you, you, you can do an unboxing video, you do a review of the thing, you can contribute little videos on how it works, uh, you can do surveys, and every time you're contributing content, you basically get rewarded by uh, our site, it's, you know, me bucks is actually an in, uh, currency. And then to, when you want to buy your next item through the site, you'll get that as a credit against your purchase. So it, it rewards you financially and directly for contributing to the site. It rewards you for bringing other friends to the site. So it's kind of a reward system, but through the site as you contribute your intellectual capital rather than your, your cash. Um, so there's, a, there's um, a, a number of other aspects to the site which I think also add value. So you... We, we highly encourage people to do gifting and you, you can, uh, we have a um, chip in a certain amount of money so that you can buy a, a more expensive gift for your friend and that type of thing. So in a nutshell, it's an electronic commerce offering where we strongly um, you know, brand and we also then offer this as a white label service. So we are running other folks' electronic commerce engines. So as the world moves to more and more online, and it has been one of the, the, uh, I guess the benefits of the terrible COVID situation is as companies and businesses try and be more online, Brandup can also offer you a white label service. So we can run your whole in entire electronic commerce offering as a white label service for you. And you don't have to worry about any of this um, stuff of how do you connect suppliers? How do you do your pricing? How do you do your catalogs? How do you publish your, your different um, brochures? How do you offer specials? The supply chain, the logistics. So you can imagine, as a uh, as a brand or as a store, if you could come to one company that can do all that for you, then you know that's what Brand Up can do as well. So kind of a twin uh, um, twin approach to the market. One is directly through Brand Up, and then indirectly we do the exact same solution for uh, on an outsourced kind of electronic commerce platform for you. Absolutely fascinating what, what, what you guys are doing and the way that you've thought about this. And I can see where, for example, for like the consumer, this would be a good thing. How would it benefit the brands though? Because you know Well the brand yeah. Sorry, I'm just Sorry. I'm just trying to I'm trying to think this through in my head, but I'm gonna need some help here because the brands are, are obviously, you know, there is a monetary value to their product. So how is it working for them and how are they finding it? Well, the, the, so for the brand, at the moment, the brand, uh, if you were a brand running a brand, if you're a marketing director and you had a brand, which was whatever it is, you know, you typically today you pay, you, 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 you'd go to a um, uh, trading platform um, and you would pay them to list your products or 
incentivize them to list your products and you would also then be paying uh, folks who do a search engines like I mentioned Google you'd be paying these e-commerce uh, all these e-commerce engines you actually paying them per search word and stuff like that 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 um, so that people so that you can create interest in your product on a site so you're actually paying for all that stuff now if you come to Brando we are saying to that same brand owner yes pay something but don't pay it just for advertising actually pay the contribution you would pay anyway rather give that as a credit or as a benefit to your customer who does something for you so you know your customer who buys your product and reviews it and then there's something good to say about it well you're basically giving him bucks so that he can come back to the site and buy somebody else's product so for the brand is creating customer loyalty i think you know 10 times better than if you were simply spending the money on advertising you rather spend the money on the customer so the customer comes looks at your brand buys the brand you give him basically you give him a credit against his future purchases you know we think that that for the brand is um, it's zero cost game compared to what he's paying anyway today and he's giving the credit directly to his customer fantastic you know, uh, and the customer is going to absolutely perceive that as value. So you, you know, I reviewed what's brand ABC, and they basically gave me, you know, money to go and buy my next product with them. Uh, and so, oh, that's pretty cool. That that reward, all it took was some of my effort and energy. So we think that anybody who who takes the time to review a brand or do a little video or answer a survey. Any customer is doing that, you know, is going to be, be, you know, without a doubt, you know, linking himself emotionally, which is the most important thing, and logically linking himself and, and his awareness to that brand. So we think it will build, and we know, we're already seeing the results, it will build far better, deeper, more meaningful brand loyalty for the brand. I would agree with you because just thinking this through, you know, it, it's it's you're, you're sort of showing your support for the brand, you're being loyal to the brand, and yeah, for 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 various brands, this is going to be a massive big thing. What what sort of is the is the size of a brand that you would you would take there? I mean, could could somebody who had a smaller brand that was was starting out, could they offer some products or services? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think actually. Now you caught me on that one. Is there a minimum? I frankly don't know. But um, I don't think it is. You know, if I look at, if I, I just know the numbers that are going through the platform, some of the brands are quite small. So, you know, the ones that we, we, we've really had some success with some newer stuff, like a 3D printing, really flying. Um, and so we represent a couple of brands there. Um, so they they were battling for an outlet where do they go and they'll get lost on some of the bigger platforms so you know we had a huge take up on you know 3d printing there i mean we laptops uh, computers so we are um, and then sending um, lots of small electronic goods moving into fitness and we're opening up new spaces so you know as you as we see other verticals uh, that we think are not that well served Things like outdoor, um, you know, a lot of sports stuff, outdoor gear, um, quite, a, quite a few industries that actually on, a, on electronic platforms are actually not that well represented anyway. So we, we have two or three new 
specialist industries that we are looking to open up and uh, and go hard into where, where the platforms are not that great out there anyway today. So I think the scope exists is quite broad for smaller brands to come on board and hopefully accelerate very fast. I mean, as you may not from that uh, PR article we put out, I mean, we've had some uh, some brands come along and enjoy you know thousand percent growth in in revenue in six months kind of stuff. So we have seen some really good traction. I think it's it, like I said, I'm, I'm blown away by the concept of this, and I was just thinking to myself now, you know, if if you guys had, had a crystal ball and been able to see into the future, you would have stocked up, or brands would have come flocking to you uh, with uh, things like uh, cameras and. Um, you know, your USB cameras and microphones, because at the moment, I think everybody in their dog has, has, has now had to go online and do virtual meetings, et cetera, et cetera. And I know when I was looking for some audio stuff um, and some webcams a little while ago, it was just not a happening thing. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, if, unfortunately, our authorities chose to, to, to stop electronic trading initially. I mean, if you can, you know, just shudder to think that the, the, the thought process going on there. But once we were allowed to trade, yes, things like your computer, your networking, your um, the, um, phones, your electric, you know, connecting the home um, was absolutely huge. I mean, we had stocked up, um, or we we tried, and we did get uh, um, additional stock in those kind of electronic lines, uh, a lot of it. And yeah, we're still battling to, uh, we, we absolutely have um, serviced all that initial demand, but still today that is uh, running very high. So, you know, there's those, you know, that kind of connecting up the, the home office and all the, the different elements that go along with it um, has been a really been a big boon for us. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's wonderful stuff. We are chatting to uh, my special guest. Uh, Brett Dawson, and we're talking about Brand Hub. I want to get a bit more into to, to what uh, Brett does as well. So when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about that. This is what's involved. We'll be back just after this. And we're back. My special guest is Brett Dawson. Um, he has a private equity company called Campan. Brett, just take, take, take me back to Campan. Is, is, was that a leopard that you got to know or another name? Or, or how did that work? Yeah, when I was looking to start this business, I mean, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to, as I said, make an impact. And I wanted to also, um, if you look at, a, a, you know, what do you call something? And you have a blank piece of paper, it's quite nice. You know? <laughs> and if you so limited. And I thought that if I look at what I want to do, then, and I'm, you know, passionate, South African wildlife, love it. And I thought, you know, the thing that, that most symbolizes what I want to do here is actually the leopard. Because um, the leopard, if you take him into business context and say, well, how do you, you know, business context, then I think, you know, that's the animal that, that probably represents me and for my values more than most other animals. So a leopard, you know, uh, what I like about it, just gets the job done, you know, just gets the job done, no shouting and screaming and roaring and beating of the chest, just quietly gets the job done, um, gets the job done with a minimum of fuss, only kills what it needs to eat, um, you know, uh, typically hunts for itself and doesn't scavenge. Um, you know, so when you look at that um, animal, it just, uh, to me, has the kind of values that mostly I want to see in business. I want to see 
um, things that make an impact, but leaves the least, you know, kind of ecological footprint. Um, you know, we, we don't shout and scream about what we do. We just quietly make our plan and get the job done and, uh, and hopefully get it done, you know, very, very effectively with the least amount of uh, fuss and hassle. So I like the values of the leopard and, um, you know, only gets seen when it typically when it wants to get seen, doesn't shout and scream, somewhat below the radar. And it's more about getting the job done than shouting and screaming about uh, the razzmatazz. So we're not a big razzmatazz business. I've never believed in the razzmatazz leader. I think those are, you know, uh, make a lot of noise, but don't actually achieve a whole lot. So uh, we just like the leopard, and that's why we chose that, you know, kind of three years ago. Wonderful stuff. So, so the name is a, is what is it a, a combination of of something? Because I know um, I was trying to think is that is that the the taxonomic name for a leopard? But that that, that is was Panthera pardus, isn't it? Sorry, it was the name of an actual leopard we follow. It was a male leopard on oh. the uh, in the Londolosi Sobi Sobi Sands area, which we followed for years, oh. and he was just the uh, the dominant male, which. Uh, our family, you know, had two young kids at that stage. My wife and I, we just came to to love. Yeah, so I was just just talking about talking about that. I was actually um, have been fortunate enough to spend some time with a gentleman by the name of Lex Hess, uh, whose book, The Leopards of Londolosi, was was quite a big hit. So, oh, oh. very very passionate about uh, nature and the outdoors, and in fact, uh, leopards as well. That could be uh, the one animal I would choose. A great idea for that. But we're going to be letting you go in just a little while. I realize you are busy and have a lot to do. But before we do that, so in terms of your business investing in other businesses, Brand Hub is, is, a, is a prime example. And I think it's, it's an absolutely fantastic model that the guys have got going. And uh, I know it's going to do really, really well for you. What other businesses do you look at investing in? Are you, are you focused on... Um, and I know it's become a bit cliched now and, 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 you know, depending on who you talk to, the fourth industrial revolution is either still coming, uh, it's never coming or it has happened already. But uh, are you looking at those type of disruptive businesses? Yes, that's exactly the um, main intent you know, it is to look at businesses that, so I'm not investing in any technology businesses. So don't, um, that's not my space. And even though I was in the IT industry for many years, I don't want to be, the guy who actually makes the tech, rather invest in businesses that use, typically use technology, but to fundamentally transform uh, a business model. So, um, yeah, so, you know, guys who use best of breed or cobble together the tech, but look to fundamentally change a business model. So, Brandup is one. Another example would be a company called Rapistry. Now, what Rapistry to me is a classic example of the fourth industrial revolution. It is a wedding registry. So when I got married uh, you know, many, many years ago, I used to go to a brick and mortar uh, store uh, like Stutterford's, which doesn't exist anymore, I don't think. And you used to put set aside a whole lot of wedding gifts so that people, if people wanted to know what to buy you, they could go to the store and physically put aside gifts and, and buy them for you. Now, you take that physical store concept, you can think about how inefficient that is for the store, for the bridal couple, for the buyer. I mean, everything is just very difficult, you know. So for the store, you have to have that all that stock separated out and you have to invest in it and sitting on a shelf. Somebody's paying 
for the stock to sit there idle and it breaks, it gets obsolete, prices change, people want the blue one instead of the white one, and you can never keep enough of the stuff. You know, things go to end of life, end of support, all kinds. So you can imagine how inefficient it is for the store. Then in terms of the wedding couple, they have to physically go, they physically check everything, or physically, man, that's, that's also a pain. And then you've got to physically go and fetch the stuff when, when, and on and on and on. So if you can imagine, let's take that into the, into the digital world and you have a bridal couple that can go and online choose a whole smorgasbord of different stuff and choose a huge from catalogs, huge broad catalogs. They can choose exactly what they want and whether it's the blue smeg toaster or the green one or they prefer this fridge or that fridge. And they can put together exactly what they want. And because it's electronic, we can offer so much more than any one physical store could ever offer. It's a much broader range. And we can curate that stuff. We can make sure when they make the purchase, they can tell them if they can, the color they can get it in, the size, the dimensions, all that stuff is available electronically. So they can choose wisely. And then if uh, they don't have to actually reserve it, because it becomes just electronically available as they, they can send out to the, uh, all their guests uh, a link um, electronically. The guest logs on, it goes directly to their bridal uh, registry and only sees the products that the bridal couple want to have. So there's no clutter. So you go into the bridal registry online, you see exactly what the bridal couple want, you can see, and once again, you can see the pricing, you can see the quantity, the colors, you can shop around, you choose what you want. And you can now, because it's all electronic, the this, this site automatically will tell the bridal couple, hey, you know, Joe and, and whatever, Smith has just bought the, the blue toaster and, and we can automatically, because it's all electronic, take that off of the, um, the register, it's no longer available for sale. And uh, the bridal couple gets an alert that's been bought. So they have an ongoing digital, um, uh, you know, registry of all the stuff they're buying. Um, and as they go through the whole wedding process, basically all their gifts get sorted for them. Because it's electronic, we can share with them once we ask them, when would you like your gifts delivered? You know, so that is a fantastic service in my mind. Because today, if you go to a competition you just get little boxes arriving forever and a day and you're not sure which present comes from whom and which day and it takes weeks for the so what a mess so we bring it all together so we ask you when would you like the gifts delivered and typically after your honeymoon you come back so we'd like it on the 5th of november at 11 o'clock boom we can drive down your driveway one uh, one vehicle deliver all your gifts and give you you know, the electronic records of who bought what for you, which is another fantastic differentiation over, over everybody else. So if you look at that entire business model, typical model of the business that really excites me because you have a very small workforce outsourcing most of the elements and all they do is compensate, uh, is concentrate on what really differentiates them. So, you know, and they don't invest in the stock. They don't have to duplicate Carol Boy's in inventory because we just link that system in and make it available. And so we really just focus on what differentiates us. And Rapistry, that would be about the customer experience. How do we make the experience better at every link? So that's all we do. The, you know, we have very few employees. 
but really focused on that digital experience, making it easy, giving them advice, uh, wrapping the presents, delivering it to them. So, you know, every element of the entire wedding uh, gifting experience, we've mapped, we, they, um, Jed has mapped out very carefully with his team and we make sure we get a much better experience, much quicker, much lower cost than going into the physical world and doing it yourself. So, Rapistry was is an, is another example, and as we said earlier, there's you know, half a dozen of those kind of businesses that looking to change you know change the industry. I think that's absolutely fantastic. So so Rapistry is, is one of them. Rick, we're running out of time. If people want to get onto uh, Brand Hub, for example, the, the the website address Brand Hub. So it's all one word, but Hub is with two Bs. BrandHub.com. And you don't even have to buy anything initially. You just need to register. Am I correct? That's quite correct. Quite correct. You can actually start by just contributing your energies and efforts. And, um, you know, the first time you actually eventually go to, to acquire something, you would already have some kind of, you know, value in the game, exchange in the game. So, yes, you don't have to, you don't have to go there and, and buy as your first activity. No, just, you could also go there and learn. So you could go and actually say you're interested in a new camera you mentioned, you could go to the site and actually learn some stuff. You can see people unboxing different cameras or giving reviews and all that. You can just hopefully learn a bit and you could contribute yourself. And um, when you eventually decide to purchase, you know, we'll obviously we'll do that for you in the best possible way we can. I think that's fantastic. Uh, Brett, before, before I let you go, what, what is next? What is next for Brett Dawson? Well, I think I'm, you know, I'm three years into this thing and having a lot of fun. Business-wise, uh, I, I think I'm in the right space. So I don't want to go uh, back into the big corporate. I've had one business really um, come good, you know, and really went exponential in three years. And three years, we've managed to take that to a point where it was time to 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 sell it to, on to somebody else and to somebody who could look after a much bigger business. That was Abusha, a security play. It worked out very nicely for me. And uh, I think there's two or three more in the stable that will pop through and do extremely well. And as I said, I think, unfortunately, there's going to be a couple of losers. So I think I'll, I'm in the right space, enjoying what I'm doing. Learned a lot of lessons in this new, this new journey. And... Um, I'm loving the, 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 the ability to work with young folks. Most of these guys who run these businesses are half my age. Uh, you know, they've got all the passion and energy and drive and ideas, and I can bring some of the, um, some of the scars on my back because I've, you know, I've learned, learned a lot of uh, lessons through good and bad. I think you learn more through tough experiences, and um, hopefully I'm bringing that element of guidance to the uh, to the to the guys and um, you know I'm loving that part. So I feel like I'm making a contribution here, and um, it's exactly where I want to be uh, with my you know family where they are and all that. Very lucky at the moment. Fantastic stuff, Brett. Thank you so much for taking time out and, and chatting a little bit about uh, you and about your interests. Brand Hub. I wish you guys every success for that. Thank you so much for chatting to us. All the best. Thank you, David. There we go. That was my special guest, Brett Dawson. And uh, all about startups, Brand Hub is absolutely fascinating. If you haven't gone there, go check it out and uh, definitely start to make use of that. This is What's Involved. Until next time, thank you for listening.